up? It's the rant. My name is Jeff Ratcliffe, and it is Tuesday, June 1st. Hey, we're one month out, man. We're one freaking month out from the masses coming back. Like, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you're a hardcore fantasy football person or football betting person or whatever, or maybe just a football person. I mean, hey, if you're listening to a fantasy football podcast and you're a football person, uh, shout out to you. Regardless, if you're listening to this right now, shout out to you. You're a Rat Packer. You're a diehard. You love this ish, right? But the masses... They all start to come back in July, a little bit in August, of course, but well, maybe a little bit in July is what I should say, and then a lot of it in August. So we still have the place to ourselves for just a little bit, and we are going to roll through these team previews as we get closer to fantasy football season, draft season, that is, and then we're going to do some fun stuff. Of course, we'll get you set up for all the drafts, but it does help to you know really put the pieces in place first and foremost. Uh, So today we're going to talk the Atlanta Falcons, and yes, this is an interesting team given the circumstances. I was almost hesitant to do this podcast today because I know I'm going to, we're going to publish it. It's June 1st, and Julio Jones is going to get traded tomorrow, (laughs) June 2nd. I don't know if that actually happens. By the way, if we ever do get anything like that, uh, we, you know, you can always uh, keep your eyes on at Jeff Radcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Radcliffe on Instagram for any breaking news like that. Because I do think there are going to be some trades here in in June. And Julio is obviously the biggest name. So let's start with him. Because, you know, right now I did project Julio Jones, you know, for the Falcons. And even so, I have Calvin Ridley with more targets. 125 for Ridley, 113 for Jones. And we saw last year that Jones... Well, I mean, north of 30, he wasn't able to stay healthy. He wasn't able to stay on the field. He was very effective when he was on the field. So I don't think it, you know, like a guy like A.J. Green, who just doesn't look effective anymore when he's on the field, it's not that with Julio just yet. And I do think if he lands elsewhere, if he lands with the Tennessee Titans, if he lands with the the Chargers, the Seahawks. I I mean, it doesn't really matter where he lands. He can be effective. Each one of these landing spots is going to have a different impact on his fantasy output, which we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But I I still think he'd be effective. The question is, can he stay healthy? Which is something I can't answer, unfortunately. I have been asked this question, however, many times in this build-up to a Julio trade. And this will actually be helpful if you're listening to this in the future and Julio Jones has already been traded. Here, this will be helpful for you. What's Calvin Ridley's value without Julio Jones? Does it hurt him or does it help him? And I have noticed there is a perception among people that this could hurt him. However, we already saw what Calvin Ridley is like without Julio Jones on the field. We saw it last year. So here are the weeks that Julio missed last year. Week 3, week 5, week 12, 14, 15, 16, and 17, okay? Now, here's what Calvin Ridley did. In week 3, he had 13 targets, 5 for 110. In week 5, he had 10 targets, 8 for 136. Okay, so far so good. Uh, Week 12, 6 catches for 50 yards, eh, but scored a touchdown. Week 14, that was on nine targets. Week 14, 12 targets, eight catches for a buck 24. 
Week 14, 14 targets, 10 for 163. The t- touchdowns in each of those games as well. Five catches on nine targets for a buck 30 in week 16. Week 17, okay, well, only eight for 52, but 12 targets. In those games, he saw 13 targets, 10 targets, 9, 12, 14, 9, and 12. Wow. I think he's going to be just fine. In fact, if you take all of those games, only two players had more fantasy points per game in those weeks. And I know it's really odd to take like week 3, 5, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17. But if you do it, the only two players in those weeks who had more fantasy points per game than Calvin Ridley were Stephon Diggs and Tyreek Hill. (laughs) So pretty good company right there. I know it's a weird metric and I'm not going to read too much into that. But here's what I will tell you. When Julio is not on the field, Ridley is going to see close to double-digit targets, if not double-digit targets. So projection-wise, right now, yes, the number doesn't sound amazing with Julio there. But without Julio, uh, I mean, we're talking 145, 150 targets for Ridley as sort of a baseline number. I haven't run those numbers you know, without Julio at this point. But it, it, it's not bad. <laughs> to answer the question, it's not bad for Calvin Ridley. In fact, it's great. Because you consider, who do they have beyond Julio Jones right now? Russell Gage. Would Russell Gage even be fantasy relevant? I mean, I could see him being like borderline top 50. Maybe occasionally he'll be like a wide receiver three type. But, you know, Russell Gage is quality player. Quality player. But I don't think he's going to be a big fantasy factor. Then you have guys like Zacchaeus. Christian Blake, Frank Darby, these guys aren't going to do anything. Of course, I don't want to overlook Kyle Pitts. Initially, I have Kyle Pitts, uh, tight end seven, projecting out 92 targets, which is a big-time number for a rookie. That will go way up over 100 targets if Julio's out of the mix. And here's what I'm going to do. If there's no Julio, Kyle Pitts up over 100 targets. He's going to be my number four tight end if Julio is gone. And maybe I should say when Julio's gone. He's going to be my number four tight end because I can't I can't put him up there with the big three. He's not up there with Kelsey for sure. He's not up there with Kittle and Waller. But he, I mean, is he ahead of TJ Hawkinson? Is he ahead of Mark Andrews now? Without even playing a single game in the NFL, it's hard not to like him. I'm actually like uh, kind of giddy right now because in the PFF OG Dynasty League, that's what we call it now. It used to be our staff league when... Way back in the day when Mike Clay and I were working there at PFF. It's funny, though. There are 12 12 guys in his league, and only one of them still works for PFF. Nathan Yonke's in that league, and he's this, so that's why we call it the PFF OG Dynasty. I had a third overall pick. I know my team wasn't that good last year. But I had a third overall pick, and part of my problem in this league is I have never been able to make up ground at tight end. Well, at one, it went Najee Harris in the rookie draft. At two, we're actually just happened today. At two, I'm like, ah, it's going to be Pitts, so okay, I'll, I'll take Jamar Chase. Nope. Jamar Chase went at two. I took Kyle Pitts at three. I'm giddy. I'm happy. So finally got myself set up there. I saw my work cut out for me in that league. But uh, anyway, that's where we'll stand. So it's going to be pretty fascinating to see how this thing unfolds. Now, at running back, we're we're also in a weird spot. You know, heading into the NFL draft, it was an obvious. The Falcons were going to draft a running back. And they didn't. <laughs> they didn't draft a running back. So that the best back on the team is Mike Davis, who, 
I, I mean, he's about as lackluster as they come. You know, this is a guy who, you know, he's he stayed in the league for a while. I don't want to downplay guys who, who uh, you know, can, can actually stay in the NFL like Mike Davis, but he hasn't really done much. He's been like a, a career backup running back. He had that little brief moment there with Seattle in 2018. Uh, but then, of course, the reason why everybody knows who he is now is because Christian McCaffrey got hurt last year. And he went out and did a reasonably good job for fantasy purposes. The problem, of course, now he had 59 catches, which is great for fantasy purposes. It was awesome. That was a bulk of where his fantasy value came from. But as a runner, here's what we know about Mike Davis. He's not that impressive or efficient. 3.9 yards per carry last year as a runner. He scored six rushing touchdowns okay. 6.42 on a buck 65 in terms of carries. Eh. His career, he's at 3.7 yards per carry. So I don't think that changes this year. I definitely, you know, it's not going to change. He's not going to be particularly efficient. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, though, which is a positive. And here's the big positive, though. Like I said, they didn't draft a running back, so there's nobody else here. You know, they're going to do the old Cordero Patterson's a running back thing, which, yeah, whatever. Uh, they have Quadri Olison still left over from the previous regime. They did sign some UDFAs. Javian Hawkins, who to me is like a Tariq Cohen clone, he's not an early down runner. He's too he's too small to be an early down runner. Uh, and Caleb Huntley, they have Tony Brooks James on the roster. I mean, they have a whole lot of nothing here at running back. So if anything, Mike Davis has no competition. I'm projecting him at 237 carries, which is pretty healthy. So he'll he's right on the edge of RB2 territory for me. The challenge with Mike Davis is if we get into fantasy draft season and then he becomes this sort of like popular pick. Like he's not I, I resist calling him a sexy pick. He's not a sexy pick. You're not gonna put Mike Davis sticker on the board and people are like, ooh, nice pick, bro. Ooh, you snipe me. Like it's not gonna happen. But at the same time, he may become a slightly popular pick in that you're not drafting Mike Davis in the first three rounds, but I don't think he's also going to be there in round seven in like a, a regular 12-team league. So there's that. Not especially appealing. He's going to be drafted in the running back dead zone, which, eh, you know, not not really where I'm looking to draft running backs. So, yeah, no competition for touches, though. Unless they add a running back at some point, somebody gets cut or something like that. But, I mean, hey, you know, carry on Johnson, a lot of people thought, okay, he could go. Nope, went to Philly. Didn't even clear waivers. So, anyway, let's talk Matt Ryan really quickly here. I think Matt Ryan is, like, the perfect – he's the perfect for two things. First and foremost, he's the perfect two-quarterback quarterback or super flex quarterback because uh, my two starters, my two main quarterbacks are usually high-floor guys in two-quarterback leagues. Because I don't draft them in the first couple rounds. I wait until about 10 or off the board. Then I attack the position. Matt Ryan's perfect. Matt Ryan's not going to win you any leagues in that format, in a super flex two-quarterback format. But he's not going to lose you the games either. You know, he's going to put up decent numbers this year. I'm projecting him at 4,415 passing yards, 27 passing scores. The problem with Matt Ryan, the reason why he's not uh, higher is how many rushing attempts does this dude have? 
Does he have like 25, 30 rushing attempts? Does he crack 100 rushing yards? Like he may score a touchdown or two on a sneak. But that's the problem with Matt Ryan. So he doesn't have a high ceiling, you know? Unless he somehow went out there and tossed like 40-plus touchdowns, threw for close to 5,000 yards, he's not going to be a top 10 guy. But it's highly unlikely he's outside of the top 20. So he's a perfect quarterback. I said there were two things. Perfect quarterback for a super flex or two-quarterback league. He's also the perfect safe option if you happen to go safe and upside. And if you're new to this podcast, like shout out to you for, for coming along for the ride. But safe and upside is my approach in a one-quarterback league that I use almost every league. Unless there's a quarterback who falls too far and I get like a a top eight guy at just crazy good value, like two or three rounds worth of value, almost always I'm going safe and upside, which means I draft one safe quarterback and one upside quarterback. So it would be a combo, and it doesn't have to be in that order. Like I could draft Joe Burrow first and then Matt Ryan. But that's a nice little combo there. Or, or if, you know, you don't get Burrow, but Trevor Lawrence got some upside. We saw what Justin Herbert was able to do last year. Rookie quarterbacks can put up decent numbers, especially if they're mobile, like uh, like Lawrence is. And then Matt Ryan, right? Safe and upside. That's kind of where we are. I don't hate it. And I honestly think losing Julio isn't terrible for him. He can still put up some decent numbers with the, the existing weapons. All right, so there you go. There's Atlanta in the hopper. Our next... Uh, our next team is Baltimore the Ravens uh podcasts are going to increase in frequency here because we're now in June so you'll get another one uh here shortly remember you can follow along with me on social media I am at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram and make sure you use that hashtag rat pack that way I know you're a listener of the show by the way check out Brad Evans and Nate Lundy their podcast, Fade the Noise, it's another podcast here on the Sawdust Podcast Network. It's great. It's betting content. If you like to bet and you want like just a quick rundown of what are the best plays of the day each day of the week, they got you covered. Definitely worth checking out. All right, Ravens coming up next, so we're going to hit up Lamar and company. Looking forward to it. And, of course, if any trade goes down, I'll hit you up with that info. I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe. You know what? I'm out of here.